What's up, folks? Welcome to another episode of Hidden in Plain Sight. It's Brandon Steele here with another installment of the Solo Show Saga. On a serious note, folks... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Uh, Adam Levine is in the news because, shockingly, he was caught trying to slide into DMs of some hot chicks while he's married. And the rumors are true. I, too, received dirty DMs from Adam Levine. You know, but I took him as a compliment. All right? I think we sometimes need to, you know, look, was he being a gross dude? Yeah, but did he tell me my ass looked good? Yes. And, you know, I'm going to take the positive of that situation. You know, never turn down a compliment is what I'm saying. Even if it comes from a very horny celebrity, you know. And also, how have celebrities not learned at this point to stop doing this shit on social media? It's never once been good for them. Right? Like, they should know at this point that if you send those, they're going to leak. Also, he flirts like a, like a retarded 18-year-old. I mean, and his music sucks, really. If you like Adam Levine's music, you'd probably be fine with him sending you those DMs. To be honest, if you like his music, you're probably DMing him. All right? Because his music's fucking garbage. And I just want to let that be stated up front. Now, in defense of Mr. Levine, I'm pretty sure for almost all men, the whole point of being like a handsome celebrity is to get rich and get pussy. That's pretty much it, you know? Like, that's men are simple in this regard. All right, there's no there's no one trying to get rich and famous who's like I just, you know, I want to not get laid. No. No. Most people who pursue fame do it for the perks. Okay? Now you have no public life, your privacy is gone, but the perks are usually that you get to fuck some top-notch puss. Okay? And I suppose if you're a, a female celebrity, some top-notch dick. You can go pull all the Harry Styles's you want. But we're talking about Adam today. Because women, to their credit, tend to be smart enough to not fucking put things in writing that will be used against them. I assume this is a trait that was learned throughout the centuries when they would be murdered if they were caught flirting with another man. Not in in pretty much any country before, like, 1960 could you do that. Even in America, death sentence. Death sentence. 
So there are some perks to being a male, but I think that's just the fact that we're too stupid to have, you know, grown out of this. But I think I think this is a fantastic example of of the simplicity of men. No matter what background, where they come from, how they grew up, how they rose to fame, they all just want to fuck hot chicks. It's very simple. Our DNA, you know, overrides the things you could do with that fame and wealth. Like, could you donate to a charity? I mean, you could, but why? Why donate to a charity when you could just go find some hot model and be a sh- be her sugar daddy. I'm just being practical here, folks. We need to be realistic, okay? The Clintons have a charity foundation. That's not going so great, <clears throat> you know? A lot of evil has been done in the name of charity, and that seems fitting if you're stupid enough to give give them your money. But as I've said previously, all charities are scams. Now, if Adam Levine wanted to get back in the good graces, you know, of the interwebs, he should flip this into heavily supporting the women in Iran who are being murdered for not wearing their hijab. Also a funny name for headwear, if we're being honest. Hijab, that's... Hijab, I don't know, I'm probably saying it like, I'm saying it like a honky, but uh, one of those fucking things. The headscarves, which I always feel so bad when I see women wearing those in the summer and it's just fucking 106 degrees outside, you know, and you got to be covered from head to ankle. Not great summer attire. But if I was Adam's agent, that's, that's what I would advise him to be doing. Okay, he should be out in the streets of, I don't know, Beverly Hills, wherever the fuck he lives. You know, like burning hijabs in solidarity with with the women of Iran. You know? Because they get murdered for taking those off. And that seems, you know, a bit excessive, if you ask me. feel like that's not a very sustainable policy to have. I wonder if dudes in the Middle East were just, like, extra horny. And they were like, Ishmael, you need to cover her entire head. Head head to feet, or we will all get hard on. Because that would make sense, you know? Otherwise, it's just, you know, and they look like, you know, they're dressed up as ghosts for Halloween. So on top of looking, you know, odd... It also just seems uh, uncomfortable, okay? But also, good to look at it from a historical perspective because, you know, we have some women's rights issues going on in this country, but uh, none of them are as bad as you have to wear that headscarf or we're going to execute you. And they often rape the women before they execute them, which, once again, that feels like an overreaction. What happened in the, in the past, in the Middle East, that made them like, these women can't show anything but eyes? 
If we see anything but the eyes, there's going to be problems. Like, was society falling apart because Muslim dudes could just, like, see a woman's face? Maybe they just wanted to avoid the temptation, I suppose. But, yeah, if I was Mr. Levine's lawyer, that's what I'd be, or agent, that's what I'd be telling him to do. You can always spin a situation like this into a W. You know, all you got to do is maybe Adam sells like some thirst traps in solidarity with the women of Iran and the proceeds go to paying for like their funerals because they're going to kill more of them. You know, that's the thing about like dictatorships is they just they'll just have you murdered, you know, because it's convenient. So. We'll see. They do seem rather upset. Gonna be honest. I watched a few of the videos. Those people don't seem pleased. That's all I'm saying. You know? They seem angry. And probably justifiably so. So I think, I think Mr. Levine has a way out of this. Okay? Now, as I may have said earlier, he sent me some DMs. That might have been untrue. You know, I just want to fact check that right here. I was using it for hyperbole to make a pointed statement about uh, retards. It does show that celebrities are, you know, sometimes just like us and that they send DMs they regret to. Okay, we've all been there. It's the modern era. We've all tried to slide into a DM or two. You know, maybe you had a little too much to drink. You're shooting your shot at someone who you've never met in your life, but fuck it. You can message them on Twitter or Instagram, you know, and you send some shit you wish you could take back. We've all been there. Now, we're not all celebrities who can sell those DMs to TMZ for like 25 grand. What a great day for that, that broad. You know, she, made, she probably made a good five figures on those bad boys. Not to mention an internet meme that's probably not going to go away. So there are, you know, even, even when you get famous, you still make normal people mistakes. What is curious is why he, you know, DM'd like a thirsty nerd. You know, or like someone lusting over an OnlyFans model. Like, holy fuck, holy fucking fuck, that body of yours is amazing. That's what, like, a horny 17-year-old texts. So, I don't know, maybe maybe his maturity level just... They do say when you become a celebrity, your maturity stops the moment you become famous. And you're just always that age. So, maybe he's just trapped in the body of his 22-year-old self. You know? Now, he's also married, which is kind of what caused the hullabaloo. Because if he had just been sliding into chicks' DMs, you know, without that, I doubt anyone cares. But when you're doing it with your wife, you know, not a great look. How's no one invented an app for celebrities where they can send messages, you know, privately, or that they can delete I guess there are a few. Maybe that's what they need. More agents should start giving, like, DM literacy courses. 
to their stars, right? Like, they should have a class be like, hey, maybe don't take that dick pic and send it to some random Instagram thought, you know? Like, you're Adam Levine. You can go get pussy wherever you want, right? Like, he's not in a drought, okay? Maroon 5 sucks, but he gets enough pussy, I'm sure. So if he really wanted to, like, just go out in the real world, right? Don't don't leave. The new paper trail is digital, okay? I don't know why people haven't learned that yet. But I would, you know, start, like, an agency that gives courses on how to not ruin your fucking career. Now, I don't think this will ruin his career, but not how to not fuck up your career on the internet. Right? You can say this shit in person, and unless they record you, you'll get away fine. You know? In the real world, it's easier to get away with things than the digital world. Because the digital world is usually in writing. So, it's not complicated. Maybe I'll have to add that to the couldn't-be-worse agency, uh, you know, list of our, our services. We now also offer uh, courses for celebrities to teach them how to not ruin themselves on the Internet. If you don't want to, want to become the butt of everyone's joke because you text like a horny 14-year-old, sign up for the couldn't-be-worse social media literacy classes for a cheap price of $5,000 a course. They're rich. I'm not going to give them a discount. Okay? Adam Levine can fucking pay up. Now, speaking of men who aren't so great, the new uh, Jeffrey Dahmer Netflix series came out, and I rather enjoyed it. You know, I'm a fan of the old true crime And Jeff Dahmer is interesting because he's gay and also killed mostly gay black dudes, which is kind of impressive because you have to imagine, like, I don't think there's that many of them, particularly in the Milwaukee area, you know? Now, I mean, this bar he went to apparently was like the gay black bar, so... That made it a little easier. But, you know, he probably took out like 10% of the entire population. Right? And never once did they ask if he was just into black dudes. Because that would have been funnier if he also just had like a fetish for black guys. I don't think he cared because he was just, you know, going to murder them. And like gay black men... In the, you know, 90s and 80s, no one's going to fucking care about them if you tell the police. So, I don't know. Maybe Jeff was just a fan of that old BBC. Now, as interesting as Jeffrey is, you know, and Evan Peters does a fantastic job playing him, he just doesn't have the panache of, like, a Ted Bundy. Right? Like, there's a reason I would put Ted probably as the GOAT. You know, he did what he did with style. You know, there was, a, there was a cool factor to it. All right? There's a reason Ted is still portrayed, you know, as a, yes, murdering psychopath. 
but also one who was kind of cool. You know, and did cool shit. Like Ted Bundy, one of his, basically he had already planned on getting caught and was like, but when I get caught, I'm going to represent myself in court. And that will be the day they realize they should have just let me be a lawyer. You know? Jeff Dahmer just got caught and was like, I'll fucking tell you, why not? You know? Not that interesting a dude. Did interesting things, though, which is eating his victims. Now, Ted did not eat his victims. He was known to, you know, bite an ass cheek or two. But cannibalism, it, there's some rumors about it, but it wasn't really his thing. You know, old Jeff over here, on the other hand, he ate a lot of his victims. And I don't know, maybe he just, maybe that's, you know, good. He, was, he wasn't being wasteful. If you're going to kill an animal, you might as well eat the meat. Now, I'm not condoning cannibalism, but there are ways that can at least make it good for the environment and whatnot. Now, that does have to be a real rough day for the families. Not only to find out, like, hey, your son was murdered, but, uh, hey, your son was murdered and the dude uh, ate him. Yeah, yeah, no, there's not much... It's not much of a corpse left for you to identify. It's, it's pretty much just bones, you know. He doesn't leave any meat on the bone. He picks them clean. I do, the one thing I did enjoy very much about the series, and I hadn't known this before, is when, you know, Jeff is in prison and just starts making jokes about eating people in the middle of, like, the lunch hall. That is cool. I do always appreciate a serial killer who's, you know, proud of what they did, who embraces the persona, right? Because if you're going to, you know, if you're going to go through the effort, show a little pride in your work. That's what makes the greats the greats, you know. Ted, Ted had pride in what he was doing. He thought it through, you know. He made, he made revolutions in the art of serial killing, you know, realized if you cross state lines, no one's going to fucking figure it out because they don't talk to each other. So, you know, that dedication is what leads to greatness. And I think we've got a lot of people who don't understand that these days. You know, talk of quiet quitting, things of this nature, burnout. You got to understand, greatness does not come easily. That's the whole reason it's great. So you got to want it. You got to want it enough to eat the corpse of the person you just murdered. Okay, that shows you're committed, you know, or in Ted's case, going back and having sex with those corpses because, you know, you want to really prove that you're one of the all timers. Right. So I will give Jeff, I'll give Jeff that he's one of the all timers. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, he was creating, you know, full skeletons in a one room apartment. That's impressive in and of itself. Now, he didn't get the numbers Ted did, so Ted still reigns supreme in my book, next to old Ed Edwards, who I believe was likely the Zodiac. Hopefully they give him, you know, a limited series too. Some of the reviews were like, eh, this was 
expected, gruesome and expected. And like, what the fuck did you expect? Like, yeah, expected. Jeffrey Dahmer's been dead for tw- like almost twenty years. You think you think he was gonna survive somehow? Like, we already know the story. So that seemed like an odd critique to give. Was that you know it was? We knew what was gonna happen the whole time. No fucking shit. It's a movie based on real life. Of, it's a TV show based on real life events. You shouldn't be shocked that you know the ending. The only real qualm I had with the series was, I think it's like episode six or something. They decided to dedicate a whole episode to this, this gay black dude who was deaf. You know? And they did the whole episode in deafness, so it was like silent. Motherfuckers doing sign language and shit. Weird, weird switch up to do six episodes in and be like, you know what? For the next 40 minutes, there's going to be no sound. No sound at all. We're going to we're going to show how this played out from the perspective of the deaf guy. And his deaf friends. I do like that that gay deaf black men do become friendly with each other. That's a very, you know, that's a very interesting minority group. But what's also strange is they portray this fella as being one of the few people who seem to have touched old Jeff's heart. Now, that didn't stop Jeffrey from smashing his head with a hammer, you know, and dismembering and eating him. But it was touching to see that, you know, even Jeff could have found love had he not decided to murder it. You know, there's someone out there for all of us. There's a gay black man waiting for all of us out there, you know? As they say, there's always more gay, deaf, black fish in the ocean. And they're usually hanging out with the new Ariel, you know, from The Little Mermaid. So that's a fun series. I recommend it. It was good. Very good. I almost wish they'd have given Ted a full 10-episode treatment instead of... uh, Instead of just the movie, but we'll see. I bet I think Gacy gets one next. Gacy would be fun because he was also gay, which is interesting. And you know who else was also gay and ate his victims? Was uh, a cannibal admits to killing and eating a man named Kevin Bacon. He met on Grinder. The self-proclaimed cannibal pled guilty to the crime Thursday after previously claiming the insanity defense. Let's see. This this good old fella's name was uh, Mark David Latunsky, 52 years old, ate a man named Kevin Bacon, who was 25, who looks kind of like an LGBTQ version of Brian Stelter. Like, imagine Brian Stelter with blue, I mean, whatever's left of his hair, I guess. And that's pretty much it. Now, I do wonder if he, at some point, was like, I gotta eat this dude. His last name's Bacon. You know? Like, was he so crazy that he thought, like, hey, maybe this guy's gonna taste like bacon? Because that's what I would have gone with. If you're gonna plead insanity defense... I'd be like, put me on the stand. 
Your Honor, I only ate this man because I thought he was going to taste like bacon. And I can tell you, he did not taste like bacon. No, he tasted like people. Can you make bacon out of people? I don't know what part of the person would make the bacon. But if you killed a man named Kevin Bacon and you made bacon out of him, I think you should get a reduced sentence just for the hilarity of the wordplay there. You know. Now, on the other hand, it's kind of hard to convincingly say you were crazy or insane when you targeted a man named Kevin Bacon to eat him. Right? That clearly shows that you saw Kevin Bacon. That's the guy. You know, I assume he was planning to eat someone before this. But once you see a Kevin Bacon online, you go, well, that guy's going to do. This is my, this is my target. It's got to be him. You know? Because to qualify for the insanity defense, you have to prove you're basically too cuckoo to understand what you're doing. But... If a cannibal targets a man named Kevin Bacon, I think he knows what he's doing. That's no accident. Unless he was just, like, thought that was it was the actor, maybe? That seems far-fetched, though. You know, it's just, it's too on the nose, right? When you're, you know, using puns as part of your crime. I feel like that's enough... Well, I don't know. There's two ways to look at it. That's either enough competence and thought to prove that you knew what, like, you understood what you were doing. Or, like, you're the Joker and you've gone so crazy that you're just like, well, his name's Kevin Bacon. Because, yeah, if you've gone so far off the deep end that you're like, well, it's a sign, then that might help. I always do find it funny, though, to imagine these types of killers when they meet with their lawyer, because he initially pleaded the insanity defense, when they meet with their lawyer and they're like, you know what? No, no, I'm not insane. I'm not crazy, and I want the world to know that. Because they tried to do that with uh, Jeff, and they tried to do that with Ted. Didn't work either time, you know? And they both knew they weren't crazy. That would be disrespectful to what they, you know, to what they did, to their craft. Okay, they were masters of what they did. So you can't, you, if you plead insanity, you let them take that from you. In fact, I'm pretty sure the Unabomber had that exact scenario. Whereas lawyers were like, hey, you're going to have to plead, uh, you're going to have to plead insanity or you're going to jail. And he was like, well, fuck you. I didn't write a 1600 page manifesto for people to think I'm crazy, okay? Fuck that. I'd rather go to jail. And that's, that's follow-through. That's commitment. It's admirable for someone to be like, yeah, I know that insanity might get me a reduced sentence, but no, no, my work here needs to be appreciated. The world needs to know I understood I was eating a person. Now, what's unsettling about this particular case here is uh, this fella apparently, you know, unlike unlike Jeff, who went for, like, the liver, you know, the head, hands, this fella went for the balls. Which, if I was going to pick, you know, 
which cut of a person I wanted to eat, I'm not going for the nuts. The balls do not sound delicious. They sound gross. And the texture seems like it would be bad. You know? I've never had Rocky Mountain oysters, and I don't fucking plan on it. Okay? I don't think testicles were meant to be eaten. Fuck the liver king. That dude's on steroids. I don't buy his shit for a minute. Out here saying he eating raw liver and fucking deer dick and shit. Shut the fuck up, you loser. I don't... I wonder if he ate the penis as well. You know, like penis with a side of balls. That would make sense. But to just go for the nuts. I don't know. Another fun twist to this story is that apparently, and this seems to be a common thread here, is two other near victims escaped running for their lives and called the police and said, hey, this dude out here, uh, pretty sure he drugged me and was going to eat me. You know, I think someone should do something about that. And then the cops are just like, yeah, okay. Okay, we'll get there in four to five weeks. Wait, was he black? No? All right, yeah, four to five weeks. Which isn't great. I feel like as a, you know, as a cop, if someone calls and they're like, hey, I met this dude on on Grindr. I went over to fuck. Next thing I know, he's injected me with something saying my testicles look delicious. I think you might want to talk to him. You know, as the police, you should be like, yeah, yeah, I think that warrants a visit. Right? Because how many people are out here willy-nilly just talking about eating folks? You know? Taking people hostage and telling them you're going to eat their testicles. I don't feel like that's a common complaint. You know, we got a lot of, like, the swatting has become an issue because people are doing it all the time. I don't think they get a lot of calls saying, hey, this lunatic is uh, drugging and trying to eat folks. You know, maybe swing by. See if, uh, see if he's hiding anything. Because as the Jeff Dahmer case showed us, literally if you just check for about five minutes, you know, at their residence, it becomes pretty clear. Right? Most people are not good at hiding this particular activity unless you're like Hannibal Lecter but that's a TV show this is real life so that's not a great look for the cops right you know add that to the training course okay if you get called about someone trying to eat people at least look up his Facebook profile you know if he's in like a Facebook group that says like proud now cannibals Well, there you go. You might want to talk to him. Okay? Now, I'm not sure which is worse. You know, cannibalism, eating the person you've just killed, or fucking the corpse of the person you have killed. Because Jeff Dahmer ate his victims. Ted Bundy fucked the corpses of his victims. Right Now, Jeff also completely dismembered his. Ted would usually, you know, just tear him up and feed him to the wildlife. But before he did that, he would get a few rounds in with him. You know? 
And while all these crimes are bad, I was trying to figure out which was which is worse. You know? Because necrophilia is gross because, like, it's unsanitary. You know, that, that corpse is rotting. I don't think I want to put my penis in it. Now, I'm not Ted Bundy, but I'm just saying. But at the same time, you know, cannibalism is one of those uh, taboos where once you cross it, you kind of can't uncross it. I guess unless they taste terrible. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe people don't taste all that bad. I don't know. I've heard I I've heard from uh some of the the shit online that that we taste like pork. So that means there has to be a bacon part of us somewhere. I don't know. Y'all can comment and tell me which part of the human has the bacon. But back to the question at hand. Yeah. Bad all around, you know. Because Ted would literally, you know, have sex with the decapitated head of one of his victims. You know, he even figured out how to keep them from tightening up, tightening up once they die. You know, he did the research on how to make that corpse last. So that is very gross. But also, like, dudes will just about fuck anything. You know? Now, that doesn't usually cross over to dead people, but you can probably, you know, file that along with fat chicks, I guess. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? But eating people, I guess there's more of a history of that. You know, like we know of tribes and civilizations that practice cannibalism fairly often. So there's more occurrences of that, I think. But it's also very frowned upon, right? I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm splitting hairs there. Personally, I think the necrophilia is worse, really just for the fact that I don't think it's sanitary. At least with cannibalism, you can cook the meat all the way through, you know, so there's no parasites and shit. Also, props to Jeffrey Dahmer for not worrying about getting AIDS from eating gay, like, gay black men. I don't know if you can actually get AIDS that way, if you cook the meat, you know, well done. But in the 80s and 90s, that was a risk. It was a risk for sure. And the one thing I will also say about Jeff, he clearly had game. You know? He did, he picked up a lot of black dudes. You know, and a few, like, I guess Indians, I don't remember. Mostly they were brown and black dudes. But yeah, at, at this bar he was going to, he clearly had game. Now maybe that's also just kind of highlighting one of the issues with uh, the, the gay community, particularly at that time, and I guess now with monkeypox, is they are just there, you know, being able to fuck, you know, Strangers and randos on the reg is kind of one of the benefits because you can't get them pregnant. But clearly had some uh, negatives to it. So, you know, everything has its balance. Back to, like, the insanity defense, because I was also thinking, what does this person have to say to, like, the psychiatrist they've been given to have... That psych be like, 
You know, after after working with him for the last few months, I can confidently say he's not insane. Because off the top, saying, "Hey, I ate a man's, I ate the testicles of a man named Kevin Bacon." It's a pretty crazy thing to say, you know. I just, I would love to know what, what technically they're they're saying that makes the psychiatrist feel they're competent to stand trial. I suppose if you're not like the devil told me to eat his dick and nuts, that's probably like, yeah, if the voices in your head didn't tell you to eat his balls, I guess you're competent to stand trial. But I I feel like it should take some pretty good convincing. You know? I suppose as long as, like, what does understanding, I mean, I guess maybe the thing is, is like, do you know what you're doing is a crime? Because Jeff knew it was a crime. He was very aware. But, like, I guess if, like, if this dude was like, oh, you know, I was hungry. So his last name was Bacon. That would probably work. But you got to love it when they are just like, fuck, fuck the lawyers. I'm not insane. Okay, you're the crazy ones for thinking what I did was wrong. I also think instead of like giving a regular death sentence, I think people like this should have to die by the means with which they killed their victims, right? I think that would be true justice as if like they chopped this dude up alive and like let the family members of his victims each have a bite before they send him to the afterlife. You know, let them experience what they did to others in their life. You know? Now, in some cases, that's hard. That would be hard to do. Like, you couldn't have... I mean, I guess you could have the victims or the families of the victims like Ted Bundy fuck his corpse after the execution. You know, if they want to further defile him. That'd be a weird reason to get into necrophilia, but justified, I suppose. I also heard something about, like, in Wisconsin, I don't know, they're going to do an execution or some shit, and they're arguing over the humane way to do it. Why does no one realize the most humane way to do it is to literally shoot them in the head? It's the fastest and uh, most efficient, Okay. Pretty much no one has ever come back or not died after getting a bullet straight to their brain. You know, there's plenty of people who've managed to unfortunately survive the cocktail of drugs they get shot up with. But I've never heard of, uh, you know, back in the day when they did executions, the old school style of people, you know, being like, well, I'm not dead yet, so I think I get to leave. No, the humane humane would be to do it fast. Okay, they're dying. I wouldn't worry about pain. You know, why are we worried about pain for people who murdered and ate other people? Okay, the mo- the only humane thing is just do it quickly. And there's nothing faster than blowing someone's brains out. You know, I know it sounds gruesome. Doesn't look you know, as good as a few injections into the arm. 
but it it is i would say the most humane way to end their life all right speaking of fucking things that aren't alive uh there's an article that came out from a study which personality types are more likely to have sex with a robot yes researchers from concordia university measured the attitudes of nearly 500 adults to identify which personality traits are more likely to engage with erotic technologies. Spoiler alert, horny men. Uh, let's see, the article identifies, or the study, excuse me, identifies two traits, erotophilia and sexual sensation-seeking, were both linked to openness to sex robots. People with the erotophilia trait often associate sex with positive feelings. Now, I feel like that's pretty much everybody who has sex. Coming is a positive feeling, at least in my experience. You know? So I feel like that's a little bit... I don't know why that needs its own category, right? Like, enjoying coming is kind of the whole reason human beings procreate. I, you know, at least for men. Uh, so I don't... That seems like an odd distinction to have to make, and uh, along with sexual sensation seeking. That just means you like to come, you know, and you'll fuck just about anything. Like I want to know who the person is who associates like negative shit with with getting laid, you know, and coming. Like, is there someone out there who just gets blue every time he gets to cream pie a woman? I don't know. I don't feel like that's that's a real thing. You know? And I don't know why one of these personality traits wasn't robosexual. There's got to be enough of them coming out. Look, we got dudes marrying fucking anime girls. There's got to be a large enough sub subsection that are willing and ready to fuck a robot. So I don't know how I feel about uh, those two particular traits because, in my opinion, they both just sound like unnecessary labels for people who like to come. Okay, that should be most of the population. Now, I guess the distinction is coming with a robot, you know, as opposed to, like, a person. So... I guess maybe that's where they stood out. So the personality traits were measured using the Big Five model, which is the, not the sports store, and assuming Big Five's still around. I don't know. Somehow a few of those survived the pandemic, which is kind of incredible. So shouts out to Big Five. Uh, the Big Five model, which includes the overarching traits of openness, agreeableness, conscientiousness, neuroticism, and extroversion. Uh, Dubé explained personality assessments help us predict people's likely thoughts, emotions, and behaviors across all kinds of situations, including those regarding their sexuality, and in this case, their willingness to engage with new erotic technologies such as sex robots. It goes, he goes on to say, quote, technophilia and non-sexual -sen non sensation-seeking 
say that a few times over, non-sexual sensation-seeking, were also correlated, but only weakly. I don't entirely understand what non-sexual sensation-seeking means in terms of having sex with a robot. That feels like an oxymoron, right? Like, are they just talking about, like, fleshlights? I mean, because I guess... I guess that's that's sensation-seeking, but not technically sex? I don't know. It doesn't seem possible that, uh, you know, sexual sensation-seeking individuals definitely correlate, but what seems like their exact opposite, which is non-sexual sensation-seeking individuals, only kind of correlate. I'd like to know the research there. You know, we got to peer review this particular study. And then, yes, of course, it ends by saying uh, the expert added that across the board, men appear more interested in sex robots than women. Which, of course, I mean, like, obviously, these are going to be marketed to men first because horny men will definitely buy these. There's going to be a lot of dudes, you know, who have a few too many one night. And next thing they know, they check their Amazon purchases and a sex bot's going to be showing up in 48 hours. Two-day delivery on your sex bot here at Amazon. Here at Amazon, we're committed to getting you your products quick. So if you're waiting for your sex bot, have no fear. You'll be fucking a robot in 48 hours or less. That's the Amazon Prime guarantee. I don't know. I don't think this is terribly groundbreaking, but fascinating nonetheless because we have we followed this uh, particular story here, and they're moving into understanding their clientele, which is going to be very revealing, right? Because, like, I mean, you don't ha- like you shouldn't be put on a list if you order a sex bot. But you should probably be flagged at least, right? I don't know. Feels like the feels like the first generation of dudes to get in on this might be into some weirder shit. Although I don't know, maybe if Jeffrey Dahmer had a sex bot, he wouldn't have committed all those crimes. You know, a large motivating factor for him was that he was just a lonely dude. You know, he just wanted someone to cuddle with and then eat. So a sex bot might have prevented him, you know, from going that direction. You know, you can take your sex bot apart as long as you can put it back together. And he can't eat it, so that, you know, stops him from doing that. So maybe this, you know, technology really will you know, be a positive for society. Now, it is almost impossible to put up the numbers that, like, the Dahmers and the the Bundys did in this day and age because they can fucking, they can identify you with the smallest speck of DNA. You know, you leave one, one fucking crumb at a crime scene and it's over. So the golden age of serial killing is gone. That's why I think mass shootings are up. 
is because you can't really be a serial killer anymore. It's too difficult. At least not one with style. Unless you're a very, like, you're very clean. You have good cleanliness habits. I really hope that they have a positive. I don't believe they will. But I shall continue to follow the story. And if we don't eventually get a sponsor that makes sex bots, they're fucking up. I'm just saying. You know? Like, I don't want one because they creep me out. And I can't imagine how horrifying it must be to fucking have to clean one of those. But I will gladly pitch the product for them. Because it's funny. You know? To be the first, the first cast that has real sex dolls as their, one of their co-sponsors. Blue Chew and sex bots. You know? So you can get a nice hard-on to fuck your... Silicone woman. I wonder if the sex bots will ever get to the point where they like revolt like the women in Iran. You know? Like instead of taking off their hijab, like they take off their fake pussy. You know? Just yank it out. They're like, no more pussy until we get rights. We're going to burn these fleshlights in the streets. You know, this is the fifth wave of feminism is uh, female sex bots. So that would be a lo- I mean, honestly, with the timeline we're on. Yeah, I could see that. I feel like I'm going to live long enough to see the robot civil rights issue come to like the national stage. Because once these things are semi-sentient or can like carry a conversation there's gonna be people saying they deserve rights you know sex bots should be able to vote okay sex bot suffrage is gonna be a real thing one of these days mark my words mark my words and who knows who they'll vote for I mean yeah we're headed towards like sex bots should be able to have abortions I don't know. That would be interesting because I do believe at some point they'll put like artificial wombs in them. And it'd be funny if a sex bot just got like knocked up and was like, I'm not ready to have a child. And then he had to like go get your sex bot an abortion. Or maybe they could just make that like one of the features on it. You know, like in this, the iPad app you'll use to control it. You can just hit the, the abort button. I don't know. It's a fascinating technology. And if you don't think you're going to have one of these in your house in like 30 years, you're not seeing the bigger picture, okay? It's not about the people who would fuck the sex bots. That's how this will start. That's how they'll get their funding. What this will turn into is the humanoid robot will handle all of your day-to-day things at the house and you'll be able to fuck it. And that's when they will become very prevalent. You know? I feel bad for, you know, the Mexican housemates who are going to be replaced by sex bots that have learned how to clean. It's quickly coming, you know? The pendulum's going to swing. You know, when the Mexicans are out here like, No se puede. 
Los Robatos es loco? Is taking our jobs? So the potential for what these things can do is very broad. Very broad, and uh, at some point I'm going to invest, okay, because I believe in the future of this technology. I mean, not right now, because the economy is shit. What was beautiful was seeing, like, the Costco executives come out and be like, I don't give a fuck what inflation looks like. We're keeping that hot dog and drink at $1.50. Okay? This is America, goddammit. You should be able to get a cheap hot dog and a cold soda. All right? There's a few things that make this country great. Freedom of speech, guns, hot dogs. Hot dogs on the cheap. And let's be honest. The economy may be bad, but hot dogs are like one of the cheapest food products we make. We literally take the other parts of the animal, throw them in a grinder, turn them into a paste, and we're like, yeah, mold them into, uh, you know, tubes and shit. That way people won't be able to distinguish, you know, which internal organs were used to make it. Because hot dogs are delicious, and fuck anyone who thinks they aren't. But that's like that's a food that no matter how bad the economy gets, we should always have cheap hot dogs. Okay, the minute the hot dogs start, you know, becoming expensive, that's when we should all get prepared for some bad shit to happen. If the price of hot dogs goes up, that's when you better hit, like, my Patriot supply and go fucking buy, you know, three months worth of dehydrated mac and cheese. Because that's what I would use as my indicator for when to panic. If if the hot dog goes up in price, like, and we've already seen the Dollar Tree go to $1.25. We've seen Arizona iced tea raise their prices. This is the last stand, you know. If hot dogs go up in cost, the recession is coming, okay. And it's going to be bread lines with no hot dog. All you're going to get is an empty fucking bun. And that's what the new depression is going to look like. Hot dog vendors in New York handing out empty buns because the price of garbage meat has gone up too high. And I pray we don't have to experience that. You know? Damn, I got to go get a Costco hot dog after this shit. Although it's Saturday. Nah. You got to be a lunatic if you go to a Costco on a Saturday. A Costco on a Saturday is pretty much like a swap meet for white people. You know? Just way too many people packed in, going aisle to aisle, buying pallets of shit. Yeah, I'm not doing that. And if you've never gone to Costco for a Costco dog and a, and a nice cool beverage... I recommend it. It's a fantastic hot dog. So bravo. Bravo to the people at at Costco, you know, showing that they care about, you know, about all of us who like cheap food. You know, take that's bravery. It'd be very easy to, you know, hike the price up 250 now, but no. No. They realize that some things in this country are sacred. And I applaud them for doing the right thing. Not many executives will do that. 
but the fine people at Costco will. I don't think they sponsor sponsor podcasts either, but if they want to send me hot dogs, I'll read whatever shitty ad they want. I recently started uh, rewatching Friday Night Lights. Great show. Great show, man. But, uh, you know, some of it's watchable, some I don't watch. Like, I can't do the Cripple Chronicles anymore. It's depressing. I don't want to fucking see that dude in his wheelchair. But the one thing I realized will always be funny and entertaining about that show is Coach Eric Taylor, head coach of the Dillon Panthers, uh, trying to get trying to get pussy. It's Those scenes are funny every fucking time. You know, just uh, a, a football coach in Texas with his southern drawl trying to convince his wife to, you know, suck his dick after a football game. Hey, hey, baby, how you doing? You, uh, you want to go fool around? That's been the highlight for me in the rewatch is just Coach Taylor trying to get his dick wet. You know? And I think that's realistic. Right? That show doesn't get enough credit for for what it what it was able to portray, you know, about America. And one of the truths that it does a good job of highlighting is that even coach needs to get a little pussy. Even coach is out there balling for pussy. Okay? That's why the athletes do it. It's even why the coaches do it. Now, in rewatching it, one of the things I do find odd is that uh, they were just allowed to let Tim Riggins be like a 16-year-old alcoholic. Like that the whole, the whole town knew about. You know, there's multiple jokes about him playing hungover. You know, like that seems a little weird in hindsight. That he's just, you know, constantly boozing and not a single person is like, hey, Tim, I think you need to go to rehab, buddy. You know, instead, they're always just like, well, you know, Tim Riggins over here. Hey, look, I, I saw that boy run for 125 yards. And the night before he smashed 15 BLs. All right. 15 Bud Lights. I swear to God, swear to God. Next day, woke up, had the game of his life. You know, so that's it's funny what they were allowed to portray. That was problematic. You know, racism, mental health. Bribing high school players, shit like that. But depicting one of the stars as a raging alcoholic. You know, who's known around town as a raging alcoholic. And apparently for some reason is just always allowed to buy beer. And that's not, like, portrayed in a negative light most of the time. It's really just like, well, you know Tim. Oh, that's just Riggins. Yeah, I mean, he is going to be a chronic alcoholic who dies at about 28. But damn, can that boy run the football? So, yeah, that was really the strangest part for me thus far in my rewatch. And I'm only, only a little way into season two, but... I had forgotten that Tim was just allowed to be an open alcoholic. You know, coach knew it. The team knew it. Shit, I think at one point, like, the mayor of the town 
makes a joke about it. I mean, that is, it, like, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad they didn't treat it, you know, where they're like, Tim, you need to go to AA. Buddy, you got to get your life together. Because that would have been boring, you know? Like, I like Tim Riggins playing hungover. That's funny. That's very funny, in fact. And, I mean, probably realistic. You know, broken home, only has his brother. You know, dad's a thieving pool hustler. I think their mother's dead. I don't know. So I guess that kid would be an alcoholic. You know, I mean, like, if we're talking about real life, it just is very funny that the show, because they make an effort to portray this, but never portraying it in, like, a, hey, he's breaking the law. Like, he also sleeps with a 33-year-old mother. And, like, that's just like, hey, Tim Riggins is fucking cool, man. Yeah, he fucked that single mom. I mean, she's hot, don't get me wrong. The chick they have in that is hot, but, like, technically that's rape, right? Because he's a minor. I haven't lived in Texas that long, but I'm pretty sure even here that would be, uh, you know, statutory rape of some kind. But that's another one where it's just like, oh, you know Tim. Tim just trying to get pussy wherever he can. No, no, he'd make a great father. The alcoholic 17-year-old? Yeah, no, he'd be a fantastic stepdaddy. First two seasons are good, but the show really becomes fantastic when Michael B. Jordan shows up. You know, that's when it's fun. Coach Taylor having to handle, you know, a bunch of kids from the inner city, you know, the, the bad parts of town. That's what I'm here to see. Because he still tries to get his dick wet. And like Coach Taylor, we should all show that kind of commitment. You know? You work your ass off, you coach that game like it's your last game ever. And then once you get that W, you go home. And you try to get your wife just tipsy enough to go give you a blowjob. And with that, folks, I think we can wrap up this particular installment of the Solo Show Saga. Uh, make sure to be following us on Twitter, at The Hidden Pod, on Instagram, at Brandon Steele Hidden, and at Hidden in Plain Sight Radio. If you want to sign up for the page, I highly recommend it. Only 333, or you can give a little more if you got it, but we got hundreds of hours of content on the Patreon, uh, and we'll have another Patreon episode up this week as well. The party never stops over on the page. Uh, so yeah, that wraps it up for this week. Fuck Dave Portnoy. Mamba out. Yeah.